to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, it's in the New Testament, you can pull it up on your uh, smartphone, iPad, uh, Pew Bible, or borrow with a friend, but Philippians 3, inside the worship folders, there's a message outline as well, and that's for you to look at right now to help guide our thinking, but also for you to take home and use as a study aid uh, for God's Word. And there is a racing theme uh, this morning, so I thought I would set up a, um, a finish line, just a little bit. And has anybody had the joy of breaking the tape at a finish line? I never have. So you had the Ed, you got it. Yeah, you're the man. And um, so the finish lines, at least in modern, often have a tape that you can break, right? And if you're the first one across, and I don't really want to knock that stand over and hit Grace's violin, that would be horrible. Um, but let's just kind of visualize that as this is the breaking the tape. Uh, because this is the imagery here. In Paul's day, there were you know, games like they are today, and there were ancient Greek games, and you know, modern day Olympics kind of tied to those and all those. Uh, but athletes would compete um, representing their area, and they would compete in a race and, and different things. And so Paul captures that imagery of, of running the race in a beautiful way, and he uses an athlete's illustration here. And so if you're an athlete out there, if you enjoy races and, and a variety of things, this ought to, be, this ought to connect with you. And inside, um, inside the Bible, we're in that uh, chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12, but remember, this is that whole section in chapter 3 on losing. If you take that outline and you turn it over on the back, Philippians was about partnering in ministry, the first chapter, Philippians in chapter 2 was about imitating some examples, Jesus and Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and others. Chapter 3 is about losing, and you say, well, wait a second, I thought you were just talking about winning, but it's losing to gain something else. And so losing confidence in self was our last time together, where we're not trusting in ourself for our salvation, but we're trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us. And in Paul's day and in ours, there are people who think, you know, I've got what it takes to merit before God. I've got it all figured out. I can do it on my own. And in Paul's day and ours, Paul reminds us, that, no, that's not, that's not where it is. It's all about grace. It's all about receiving rightness with God, righteousness, relationship with God through faith that's received as a gift. But he goes on from there, and he doesn't just talk about losing confidence in self to win Christ. And so instead of having self-confidence, we gain confidence in Christ but we also lose complacency to win the prize. And that's really where this section is, but I think they're, they're tied together. That's why our scripture reading this morning kind of sandwiched both sections together. So if you take that line, turn it over on the, on, on the front, and we look at, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Uh, he goes into this um, athletic illustration. And I put on your outlines, if you look there, complacency, just a real simple definition. Complacency is this often unjustified feeling of being pleased with oneself or with one's situations or achievements, right? It's this sense of, I've got it, I've got it handled. And sometimes we think young people, you know, maybe teenagers kind of do that. Sorry, teens out there. But really, we all can do that. So teens, you get a bad rap, but adults do that. We're just a little more clever about it. But it's often unjustified feeling that I'm pleased with my conduct and my situation or achievements, and we don't have a very realistic view about who we really are and what we're doing. 
So we got to lose that to win something else. And I put on this way on your outlines, we lose complacency about our spiritual advance. We lose complacency about our spiritual advance, our spiritual growth, right? And he says, and he, so he says, um, a- after he's finished up this section about rejoicing in who Jesus is, he says, not that I've already obtained all this, right? Not that I've worked out completely my salvation. I'm, I'm practicing the Christian life in a full, complete way. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, verse 12, and are, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm just starting the race, as if he's saying. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm pressing on and I'm holding on and I'm still in that process of spiritual growth. I haven't arrived at the final state. I put on your outlines like this. We're called to sign up for the race. And actually, sign in to the race, excuse me. Uh, Steve Lesage and I did a, a little mini triathlon last summer. Remember doing that, Steve? And we had to sign up for it a couple months in advance. But signing up and signing in are two completely different things. Remember? You know, signing up, okay, you pay your fee and you're signed up. But the actual day of the race, you got to what? You got to sign in and get your gear and they show you where to go and you show up and actually race. A lot of us, we sign up for salvation. Hey, works versus grace. I'll take grace and faith and a gift. Any day we've signed up, but we haven't signed in. And so we sign up and then that involves some training. Then you sign in and actually you jump in and you participate in the race. Brothers, verse 13, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I keep going. I don't, I don't look back. I look forward. Okay, I signed up for the race. I've started it, and I stay in it. I stay in the race. Our oldest son, Richard, he's 26 now, married to Suzanne and giving us two grandchildren, great, right? And um, when he was in high school, he, uh, did, he had the world's shortest cross-country career, right? And some of you might remember that, and he's a pretty speedy runner. And so we're a homeschool family. We signed him up for cross-country. He wanted to run, so he ran. He trained real hard. First cross-country race. I forget how far high school students are. Five miles? I don't remember the guys. And um, we think about... A mile and a half into the race, he broke his foot. But if you know Richard, Richard's kind of our stoic one, you know, he just kept racing. And I noticed, I'm watching on the, you know, it's not very fun watching cross country or watch that, okay, there they go, and then a couple minutes later, oh, there they are, you know, it's not real cool. But um, I noticed something was wrong. And he just didn't look too good. And, you know, I knew how fast. Richard could run, but it looked like things weren't going well. And literally what happened, and everybody estimates, that about a mile or two into the race, he cracked a bone, and he kept on going. Because he wanted to stay in the race, right? He said, you know what, I, I, I'm and we'll talk a little bit about what happened at the end. <laughs> um, but he stayed in, stayed in the race. See, Paul says, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. So there's that athletic motivation that says, you know what, I'm going to stay in it even when it's really hard. 
Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We strive to win the race. This race, and Paul's not saying we win the race of our salvation, but he says once we're in relationship with the Lord and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, now we strive for spiritual growth. We strive to know Jesus more. And he uses this illustration of a race and says, jump in. Don't just sign up, but sign in and then stay with it. Even if things break down and you're imperfect and it's not going too well, and strive to win, run to win the prize of being with Jesus. I was telling a story a few days ago, some of you heard it's a repeat, sorry, but um, with uh, some high schoolers that were at my house, and I remember back when I was in high school, way back in the dark ages in the early 80s, I know some of you were before that, and there was an exchange student that came over from Spain, his name was Xavier, and it was my senior year, and it was his senior year, and he was constantly bragging about how good European schools were compared to American schools. It really torqued me. It just bothered me. He was probably right, I guess. I don't know. But he was just bragging all the time. And we were in um, you know, physics and we were in uh, pre-calculus and kind of the highest science and math courses in our school that, 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 that my small school offered. And so we had a little competition, right? And I, you know, I was okay at math and science. So I said, okay, you know, this is kind of annoying me, and I usually kind of slacked off a little bit, but, you know, I wanted to step up for the flag, right, you know, and so, and I know this is a geeksville, you're saying, who competes in physics and math, give me a break, right, you know, and I didn't play football, I'm sorry, so, so we entered into this international competition, and I was striving to win, and every test that came up in physics and in pre-calc, I and he wanted to win. It was all pretty good-natured, but kind of, right? And we were both striving to win the race. Guess who won? Yeah, I did. It was kind of fun, right? <laughs> and uh, kept us both motivated, kept us in the game, right? We were striving to win. Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I put up, if you see that little quote there, divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. See, Jesus says, I want you to get in the game. Paul says, get in the game. Don't just sign up, but sign in. You know, grow in, in our faith. And so a couple of key questions in this little section. What pointless races am I running? I'm running in something. What other things are more important in my life? What pointless races am I running? And am I in the paramount race? If God is real and Jesus Christ really is his son and he really did resurrect from the dead, why not be in the race toward him in relationship with him? I can do all these other races, but if I'm missing the, the big one, what's the point? Am I in the paramount race? So that's complacency, but also... We're called to lose some apathy regarding God's assessment. These same people in Paul's day, and sometimes we can do it too, um, we think, okay, salvation with the Lord is not by works, it's by faith. So therefore, since I've been saved by faith, I am now completely perfect. And then if you know me, and I know you, we all say, yeah, baloney, that's not right. But in Paul's day and in ours, we say, I, well, I've got it. I've arrived, right? 
And we confuse our position of rightness with God with our practice of rightness, which isn't so good. And our position of rightness with God is we're completely saved, right? But our practice of rightness, not so much, right? So in Paul's day, there were those who thought they'd arrived already. And so he reminds them that, hey, we need to lose apathy regarding God's assessment. God's assessment is the one that matters. And so he uses a sarcastic comment here. Look at verse 15. And he says, all of us who are mature, and really perfect is the word, and kind of put that in quotes is the idea. Well, all of us who are perfect, is the sense of how he's saying it, should take such a view of things. And such a view about spiritual advance that we still need to run the race, We haven't arrived yet. We haven't grown all the way we need to spiritually. So he says, all of us who think we're already perfect, you know what? You need to change your view about your complacency and wake up and not just sign up for the race, but sign in and strive to win. And some of us need to lose an unreal view of our spiritual success from verse 15 there. We need to lose an unreal view of our spiritual success. Hey, I've got it together. God picked me because I'm really good. I mean, he didn't pick the other guy because he's not as good as I am. And we need to lose an unreal view of our spiritual success. And we also need to live in alignment with our spiritual standing. And so he writes, all of us who are perfect, there's the sarcasm, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul's trying to be sarcastic, but also gracious. God will show you. God will show you. We haven't arrived. We still need to grow in our faith. And he says, only let us live up to what we've already attained. And that's the sense, positionally, we're right with God. But practically speaking, we've got some growth to do. A famous theologian, Boltman, he said, become what you already are. That sounds like some trendy phrase from today, but it's not. It's decades and decades old. But become what you already are. You already are a well-loved child of God. Positionally, in relationship with the Lord, you've been completely forgiven. Now live that out practically and experientially. Are my lifestyle and standing in sync? Does my lifestyle reflect my standing before the Lord? As Paul says, only let us live up to what we've already attained. Last section. We lose complacency about spiritual advance. We lose apathy regarding God's assessment. But we gain victory through eager allegiance. We gain victory through eager allegiance. Join with others, Paul says, in following my example. We saw that already in chapter 2, the example of Jesus, Paul, Epaphroditus, Timothy. He says, join with others in following my example, uh, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So he says, follow the example, and using that athletic theme, follow the example of spiritual marathoners, is how I put it. Those that are in it for the long haul. Follow the example of those that are striving in their relationship with the Lord. Follow their example. You know, I used an imagery of cycling last week, and if you've ever been in a cycling event, you know the power of drafting. Anyone know what drafting is? Not drafting where you're drawing, but drafting behind another cyclist. And at the start of those double centuries I used to do, there'd be these big packs that were kind of scary for a 16, 17-year-old kid to jump in. But there'd be 30, 40, 50 cyclists going as fast as they can, right? 
and you jump into a pack that you think you can handle and everybody's bunched together and you're literally lined up sometimes in a, in a row couple deep, but you're lined up, I mean, and you're literally that far from the, the, the top, your, your t- front tire's here, their back tire's here, and then there's six people behind you, seven, eight, nine people behind you, and you're booking! <laughs> And you're this little kind of teenage kid and they're going, man, I hope I don't crash. I hope the guy two in front of me doesn't crash. But you know what that drafting does is, boy, you can go a lot faster, a lot easier when you're in a drafting pack. And so that first 50 miles of those, of those races, I, I jump in and say, I hope I can handle this. And the, some of them would kind of yell at me because I wasn't that good at it yet. And then I'd cover that first 50 miles, just bam, like that. Because I was drafting with, and we'd all take our turns, you know, up front, kind of rotate, drafting with those that really knew what they were doing. They were at the marathon. They were the guys that were good, older than me, good. See, we follow the example of spiritual mar- marathoners. There's something about being around and following the example of people that are really into relationship with the Lord that helps us draft with them and grow. But he also warns us about foregoing leaving out, forgetting the example of spiritual dropouts. And he says, if the spiritual marathoners are where it's at, he says, be careful. There are some that are false teachers. There are some that are going to face God's judgment because they're not really a child of God. There are some that live as enemies of the cross. There are some that are in it to glorify themselves. And there are some that are in it for the temporary power and influence that they have now. And there's some that are in it for the glory, and their glory, their personal glory that they bring to themselves is their own shame. And so he says, for as often, verse 18, for as often I have told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I think specifically he's talking about people that are teaching falsely. And he says, their destiny is destruction. God will judge them. Their God is their stomach. They're into just what's right in front of them right now, their appetites and their pleasures. And their glory is in their shame. Right? How they glorify themselves is a shameful thing. Their mind is on earthly things. Forgo the example of spiritual dropouts. Verses 20 and 21. Forge ahead, anticipating spiritual completion. You know, even if we struggle with dropping out, God finishes what he starts. And in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See, Jesus says, I'm going to complete what I started. If you run this race with me, I'm going to complete it. I'm going to come. I'm going to take you. And by my power, even if you're broken and you're bruised and you're hurting and you've messed up at times, I'm going to take it and I'm going to complete it. It's under my control. I'm going to transform your lowly, ineffective, weak body and it'll be like his glorious body. Let's go back to that illustration with Richard at that cross-country race. So like I said, we think about a mile or two in, he cracked a bone in his foot. And then he ran for about three miles on it. Now, at the end of the race, Richard wasn't doing so hot. And I was at the finish line. I knew something was wrong. And uh, he was uh, kind of frothing at the mouth. 
he was delirious. And Richard's our big boy. Richard's a big, strong boy, right? You guys know him. And he's collapsing, right? And I'm dad at the finish line, right? I'm dad waiting for him at the finish line. What do you think I did? Well, you pathetic loser, I can't believe you did so horribly. Get up. I mean, he's literally collapsing into my arms. Richard's big, strong. I'm like, oh, let's go. And I'm helping him, and he's, he's getting stuff all over him, and he can barely walk. He's semi-conscious. And I say, hey, son, okay, hey, let, let's work on this together. I'm checking his breathing. And it takes him a good half hour to kind of come back to life, literally. Right? I cared for him. I loved him said, it's okay. Let's go see what's going on. If me being an earthly father, and I'm certainly an imperfect father, will treat Richard like that at the finish line, and he's spent. He ran the race to the end, and he is totally spent. He gave it his all, and he stumbles across, and it's not some big victory. Yeah! It's, I just done. And I welcome him to my arms because he's my son. If I can do that, I have a feeling Jesus Christ wants to do that with you. He wants us to get in the game. He wants us to sign up and then sign in and stick with it and strive. And the prize is being with him at the end. What I put on your outlines, last question, do I measure true victory through breaking the tape in Christ. Christ is waiting. He says, I've got you. You're safe now. I want to heal those wounds up. I'm going to take care of you, and my strength will strengthen you. And I'm going to transform that weak, broken, ineffective body of yours as you cross the line and break the tape. Father, We need to consider, as a people, what races we're running. We're all doing something. And in the midst of doing all those things, we need to consider if we're running the most important, the paramount race, knowing Christ. Not just at salvation, trusting in Him for forgiveness of sins, but spiritually advancing And we can be real caught up in athleticism physically and totally miss it spiritually. And we can be totally caught up in advancement financially and and, and even relationally with our family and community and totally miss it in relationship with you. Father, help us to lose complacency and apathy. Help us to see things as you see them. Help us to measure victory through allegiance to you. And Father, you provide the strength and the power. You provide the relationship. And you want us to eagerly await you and to get in the game. Help us, Lord. Father, may we measure victory in our life, not by our success in a worldly or earthly way, where our stomach is our God, as as Paul says, 
but measure it in terms of relationship with you. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.